Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to The Happiness Quotient. It's all me. So let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. Welcome to Baker Street with Tom Pollard. This is episode 13, but it's the first in my foray to put some of these episodes on video for those who might prefer a more visual experience. I'm coming to you from my place in New Hampshire. As you can see, it's a gorgeous day. It is summertime and it's an intoxicating time of year. This is the time that I really love during the year. It's the month of my birthday. It's July, so maybe that has something to do with it. I try to come out and sit outside here on my porch every morning when the weather is good, of course. And it has been. There's been a mean streak of good weather. And I've been having fire pits every single night. My dog has come around. One of the things I love the most about living in the mountains and in the woods and far from a lot of the busy activity of a village or a city is that there's a lot of wildlife here from birds and hummingbirds that visit the house every day to deer and coyote and bear and occasionally I get a really close encounter with one of those animals. I do keep trail cams situated in different places of the property so I can see what might be going on at night or when I'm away and I've always been really happy with the results. We've had a lot of animals and right behind me there's a little pond that one time I caught just a split second of a bobcat that was walking along the edge of that little pond and it must have heard the trail cam click on because it immediately jumped out of frame. So I'm looking and trying to get a good bobcat shot but it's tough because I've got a dog and I have friends and family that come and visit here and the bobcats are extremely wary animals, rightly so, and I think they catch the scents and the, and the smells of the property and stay clear away.
Yeah, so this is where I live, and as much as I love visiting cities, Los Angeles and New York, and have many friends there, and have sometimes thought what it would be like and how enticing and exciting it would be to live in a city, this is really where I belong. This is my place. I'm more in connection with myself when I'm closer to nature. Every day and at night I can hear the hoot owls making noises. So welcome to my abode in New Hampshire. Part two, uh, the next segment of this, I'm going to share with you from my office, which I have here at my place. And it's a story I want to share with you about an incredible friendship that lasted ever so briefly. I don't even know if the friendship will continue because I've heard nothing from this mysterious person that came into my life that shared incredible knowledge. And this relationship, this friendship changed my life. It's not a lot unlike the teachings of Don Juan, which was written by Carlos Castaneda. And so I have my notes on my computer in my office, and I'd like to share some of that story with you today. Well, I'm back inside in my humble studio office that, not living in a big place, I sometimes use this for guests who sleep over or um, people. When I came back from Everest a few weeks ago, all my bags were stacked high in here. But right now, I'm on a writing project and Behind me is a bin of all my journals that date back decades. It's, it, it really doesn't look like much, it, but it represents literally decades of adventures I've taken all around the world. And some of them are pretty important to me, as you can imagine. Well, here's Kumbu Nepal, a documentary I filmed in 1995. Here's journal, just, just journal number one from Mount Everest in 2016. So this is the day I summited Mount Everest, uh, all my notes. I fill them right to the brim. And uh, Nepal, another Nepal 1995 journal number two from Everest in 2016. And probably my most prized journals are Everest 99, one and two, one and two which in, on Journal 2 includes the discovery of the body of George Mallory. We were on a Nova BBC co-production to locate the bodies of George Mallory and Sandy Irvin. And on May 1st of 1999, Conrad Anker discovered the body of George Mallory at about 27,000 feet. And he had been missing for 75 years before that. Nobody knew what had happened to Mallory and his partner, Sandy Irvin. And so we found the body. It was perfectly preserved. And what we were really after was the camera that they were known to be carrying with them. But uh, no luck. The mystery is still alive and well. Um, Amazing, Mount Everest, but th that's it. So I'm, I'm in the process of transcribing and photographing short-term all my journals, at least so they're electronically stored up in a cloud in the event anything should ever happen to it. Not that anybody cares about that 
other than me, but it represents all the writing that I've done over the years, most of it at least, because some of the journals are just day-to-day -day things. And um, that's what brings me to today's podcast is journal writing and the things that you can write in journals and how important it is to take notes because five years or ten years down the way, the things that you remember would normally slip away, but when you write them down, even just tiny little blips of notes, everything comes back to light really easily. The music that we've been listening to is off the Free Music Archive, and I will put some information about where you can find that music and, and who it is and a link to that music. Um, it's Lobo Loco, which is really, really cool stuff. Um, looking back at my computer, this particular song by Lobo Loco is called Jesse Travel Gambler, which I believe I've used before in one of my earlier podcasts. And Lobo Loco is prolific on the Free Music Archive, and his website is musicbrowse.de, M-U-S-I-K, B-R-A-U-S-E dot D-E. Good stuff. So I have literally dozens of journals, as you can see. Some are big, some are small. This particular journal, when I started it, was no, like no other. The faux leather and the slightly off-white pages. And when I started, I had no idea what was going to go on these pages. My brother gave me my first journal. I believe I was in seventh or eighth grade. And at the time, I was actually, believe it or not, ashamed of all the things I wrote in it. And then it, and it covered some of the first years of my years in high school. I remember my first girlfriend and, and what happened the night that we met. And I, she was a swimmer uh, from another town. And, and I detailed you know, everything that happened the night that we a bunch of guys and gals, we were all driving around in a car. And uh, I remember there was not enough seats in the car and she sat on my lap and I talked a lot about that. And I saved that. That was the only page uh, in addition to when we put our first dog down, Max. Uh, those were the only pages I saved. I threw everything away. I was so embarrassed by it. And man, if I could only go back and take that action back, the things that we write in our journals while we might express some things that are, make us wince sometimes, it's so important to keep that because, you know, we all have similar experiences and when people are ashamed or embarrassed, it, it really is a self-loathing kind of judgmental thing and fear of being judged by other people or not being equal to other people. And when we do that, we're really limiting ourselves to our full potential. Anyway, little did I know that this particular journal would become a record of virtually dozens of conversations that I had with a... All I, all I can say is I'm going to call him a mysterious man. Uh, to keep his identity withheld. Uh, he's a shaman of sorts that I met in the Pacific Northwest. And, and it was a time of my conversations with him came at a time 
that I didn't really have a lot of self-knowledge. I thought I was wise, but I was young and impetuous and, and hot-blooded and argued with my girlfriend about petty things, and I had a lot of growing up to do, and perhaps I still do, but, but I sure did this, these decades ago when I started this journal. And when I reread this recently, I was reminded of Carlos Castaneda's book, Teachings of Don Juan. And in it, Castaneda, or at least the protagonist that we assume is, is Carlos Castaneda, has these conversations with a, a, a Yaqui Indian named Don Juan Matus. And he offered Castaneda his insights into the meaning of life, basically, in, in, in back and forth dialogue written between them, sampling with peyote. And uh, the, by, by sampling the peyote, the drug, and the, and the hallucinogenic experiences that would result from it, they would come into the knowledge of a spirit known as Mescalito, who inhabited, which inhabited all peyote plants. And, and therein, great knowledge was bestowed upon Castaneda, or the protagonist, through Don Juan, and, and understanding and knowledge and wisdom slowly grew upon him, so through all these experiences. And that's what I relate these conversations with this mysterious gentleman that I met. And in, in the very first conversation with the, the gentleman, whom I am going to refer to as Swayu, which is a name loosely translated from the Coast Salish language of the, of the Native American tribes of the British Columbia or Pacific Northwest. And um, it's, it's a shortening of the name for wolf. He is a shaman. He lives quietly, as far as I know. We haven't had contact for a great deal of time. He as I knew him, it was very quietly in, in the forest on an island not far from the coast of Washington State. The outside world didn't come to seek him out. It was a, a dwindling tribe or family that he had lived with. And at the time, I would visit a family on this island with my girlfriend, who became my wife at, and now is my former wife and the mom of my children. But we would visit out there frequently. And I still am a, a athletic, and I would go and run up to the top of this mountain on this island. And in the first time I had crossed paths personally with this gentleman, and I had heard about him. Um, I was running down this path, and it's this old, I, I believe, old-growth forest. These very, very tall trees. The forest was extremely dark and not a lot of ground growth. Just a little every once in a while, like a, a beam of light would come in. And I stopped because I thought I had heard a, a noise of sorts. And out of the shadows came Swayu. It felt to me as, the, as if he had been waiting. Like it, it was just this, this connection between a gentleman, this, this person, and myself that, that was meant to be. And I was it, it just as they say, when you're ready to meet your teacher, your teacher will, will appear. And, but you can't bring it on any faster or 
or force it to happen. And when I first began conversing with this gentleman, this shaman, he said that he knew me before I was born and that he'd been waiting for this encounter, this opportunity to share with me some knowledge that he had that was inside of me but that I wasn't yet aware of. Then told me that like most beings in this realm, in this current time, that I had not yet fully come to appreciate the bad things that had happened in my life. The, the loss of people that I loved and relationships coming and going, financial hardship, things like that, that I hadn't fully embraced those things and learned from them what was inherently inside those lessons. That That is one of the great maladies of our time, that people curse sickness or curse the loss of a loved one and think that it's just a scourge upon their life. And he shared with me that deep inside of those experiences are their greatest time of learning and our fastest opportunity for growth to rise up and become a more uh, enlightened being. Not elevated, but more enlightened. And in order to be a teacher of the light, one must welcome the opportunity inherent in what most people consider bad things. I'm not saying that I want bad things to happen in my life, but he shared with me that when those bad things happen, that instead of cursing them, I look immediately into them as opportunities. Many years later, when my brother took his own life, I, it, even though I was in immense despair for a while, I remembered the words of Swayu, and it had a huge impact on me rising up and able to conquer the demons that, that I felt had attacked my life. He, he asked me, did I know that I had the power to control my life through the choices I make? And to a certain extent, yes, generally speaking, I, I said yes, because in high school I became a swimmer and, and by setting goals and working hard and swimming I got very, very good and, and, and won championships and got a scholarship to college and things like that. So I understand that that had those choices that I made to work hard and not miss practices allowed me to become better at that, but I had never really applied it to other places in my life. I, I thought that people who were wealthy were just lucky or not not lucky. And I knew some people worked hard in order to make money and, and become wealthy, but, but that was one of the sticky kind of places. Now, this being my original journal, he said I would go on to, oh, I should have been a little bit nervous, but I, he said, don't be fearful of these things that will happen to you, insecurity, shame, guilt, judgment, anxiety, loss of a loved one or a soul friend or mate. And it was, it was crazy because that night I had a dream about a bear that came to the edge of a lake and I was resting on the other side of the lake and I remember seeing the bear in the dream 
fearful at first and I wanted to get up and run, but I knew that if I ran, the bear would easily catch me. I'm well aware that bear bears can run a heck of a lot faster than people can. So in the dream, I remember just standing up slowly, just being prepared. I still didn't know what I was going to do if it came after me. And then the bear stood up and in the dream spoke to me and said essentially what Swayu had said to me earlier in the day, that... I was going to experience insecurity and fear and the loss of loved ones. And, but, but when they happened in my life, if I was open to the opportunities presented in them, that I would grow and that therein would be the secret key to me actually unlocking what might have been holding me back from being a teacher or being a being of light. And that when I woke up, I felt refreshed and invigorated. So it was almost as if Swayu had come and visited me in, in what I would presume it was his real form, that in, 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 in a form of a bear. And uh, yeah, I had many, many more conversations. And in future installments of Baker Street with Tom Pollard, I will share more stories and uh, I'm intrigued after I saw the deer in my yard a couple of days ago, the pictures of which I'm sharing with you and have been sharing throughout this, uh, it reminded me of, of this gentleman. And I think it's high time that I do some writing about it. But at least first, I thought how easy for me to go to a place and share it with people. And this podcast is one way in that I can work out some of the thoughts that I'm trying to get together as I write my book, my memoir, primarily about my Everest years, but about experiences like this that hopefully have made me wiser than I was as that young man running through the woods to the top of a mountain when I encountered Swayu for the first time. music that you have been listening to is Lobo Loco, and I found him, as I said earlier, on the Free Music Archive. Wonderful music. Please look him up at his website, which is Music Braus, M-U-S-I-K-B-R-A-U-S-E dot D-E. And also, if you want to know any more information about me, you can find me at eyesopenproductions.com. Go to where it says contact in the upper right side. Click on contact. Send me an email if you have any thoughts or ideas. Say, hey, Tom, how are you? Thank you. Or your podcasts suck. Or I have an idea. Or I know someone who would be a great guest. Or I met someone similar to your friend that you met on that island those years ago. So I appreciate you being here. Thank you so much for being a part of Baker Street with Tom Pollard. I hope you'll share it with friends and family and share it on all your social media, on Facebook, on Instagram, Twitter, wherever you may go. There are some Instagram or social media that I don't even know about right now, but I would love it if you shared it because I'd like to share more of some of my thoughts and inspirations 
as I endeavor to complete my first book. So have a great day. I will see you guys real soon. If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.